Nearly three quarters of students say state restrictions on abortion are at least somewhat a factor for them when deciding where to enroll in college, according to a poll released by Gallup this week. A survey of more than 6,000 U.S. adults found that majorities of men, women, Democrats, Republicans, and independents said reproductive health laws would impact their college choice, and most said they favored less restrictive policies. This is Pulse Check. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. House Republicans unveiled their opening debt ceiling salvo this week, a 320-page bill that would slash spending and roll back many progressive policies as a condition for avoiding default on the nation's debt. The bill, which will likely be revised ahead of a vote next week, would require able-bodied adults without children who are enrolled in Medicaid to work or volunteer at least 80 hours per month. The GOP plan also proposes clawing back millions in COVID-19 relief funds that have not been spent. The White House is planning to nominate Monica Bertignoli to run the National Institutes of Health, ending a vacancy at the health research agency that has dragged on since the end of 2021. Bertignoli, a Boston cancer surgeon, has been serving as the director of the government's National Cancer Institute. And an executive from the company overseeing the D.C. HealthLink insurance market revealed that Congress members, House staffers, and their dependents' personal information may have been vulnerable to theft since 2018. Maggie Miller is here with more details. Thanks so much for having me. So you have been reporting on personal data of a lot of folks here in Washington, D.C., including members of Congress, being stolen. And it's a sweeping amount of information, and it goes back to 2018. So what kind of data was part of this breach? Unfortunately, about all of the data that you would expect a health insurance marketplace that you use for your doctor's visits to have. And that includes, unfortunately, in D.C. in total, more than 50,000 people who were impacted, their social security numbers, their home addresses, their information on their employers, emails, names, uh, you name it. Unfortunately, it was in there certainly more than enough to steal their identities and be a serious concern. And so who is investigating this now? Well, the FBI were brought in pretty early by the D.C. Health Benefit Authority, which is the company that runs the D.C. HealthLink insurance marketplace. When they found out about the breach in early March, they very quickly called up the FBI, had agents in their office that afternoon, and apparently uh, within a week, there was a website that was taken down by the FBI that had already been selling this information and an arrest made of its founder. That being said, this information is still unfortunately online in other, especially the dark web forums, and they're still trying to figure out if more than 50,000 customers had their information compromised. It may have been even closer to 200,000 people. There's a lot of still unanswered questions. And of course, Congress, having had so many members and staff members have their information compromised, they're also looking into this. We had a joint hearing with the House Oversight and House Administration committees on this, and they were certainly angry. And I don't think that they're going to stop looking into it anytime soon. So what is DC HealthLink doing, you know, for the victims of this and to prevent it from happening again? 
also one of their executive directors was drilled by Congress on this during the hearing yesterday. And she really emphasized how they're offering credit monitoring free for three years to everyone impacted by this. Although she did say only around 19% of those who have been impacted have taken it up. I know that uh, DC HealthLink, the system is undergoing complete security overhaul. They've brought in outside cybersecurity groups to look into it, specifically a very well-known group, Mandiant, is looking into this, investigating it. And I know they're also looking into, you know, who configured this system, who specifically within the company or outside contractors that led to a very critical system being open, uh, vulnerable for up to five years, which had, of course, all of this very personal information on, as I mentioned, over 50,000 people, at least, including, of course, members of our government. So are members of Congress and staff going to stay on the D.C. health exchange? I imagine that some would rather not after this happened. You would imagine correctly, and it's a good question and one that was explored quite a bit during this joint hearing. Lots of members were kind of questioning why they have to use this. And it is actually mandated that members and staff use this as their health insurance, mandated by law, actually. There was certainly discussion during this hearing about why that's the case, and maybe this needs to be re-examined because, of course, some of these members, it's not just them, it's their uh, dependents. And as was pointed out to me by some members, that may include and does include children whose information is now on the dark web. And, you know, it's very personal in that way for a lot of the members and staff members. And I think it's obviously up to Congress, but I can't imagine they wouldn't want to rethink this association. And as far as you know, is this kind of scale unprecedented? Or are these kinds of health data breaches becoming more common? Unfortunately, they're becoming more common. Yes, it is one of the on specifically health data, one of the big ones involving congressional data. But in terms of cyberspace, generally, these sort of breaches have just become massively more common as the world has become interconnected, and especially in the years since the COVID pandemic happened, given everything moving online and data being more and more vulnerable. And it really just takes one vulnerability in a system and one person rooting around for it to find it and steal it. And because often this data involves things like social security numbers or data that can be used to steal identities, it's very valuable and can be sold online. And, you know, often some of these groups are kind of sitting ducks for being targeted like this because it is so lucrative for some of these cyber criminals. You know, they haven't identified yet who's exactly behind this. But cyber criminal groups, probably more likely than a nation state, just given it was a very easy vulnerability to go after. Well, thank you so much for coming on and explaining this to us. It's of very high interest to a lot of folks in town. So great to talk to you. Yeah, great talking to you. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah and Annie Reese are our producers. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting, Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.